This is High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. We interview senior level baby boomers who share their stories, insights, and how-tos for the emerging leadership of millennials. Our mission is to celebrate their accomplishments in aid of preserving their business knowledge. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Thank you so much. Today's CEO, I, I have to tell you, is a phenomenal gentleman uh, who hails from sleepy little Utah. And you'll learn why as one of the top high tech places in America above Silicon Valley. Yes, I'm not making this up. And you're going to learn why when you listen to this interview. But Dale has a valuations company that does some incredible work to help companies be able to evaluate their companies and be able to get them sold. Uh, he has a myriad of uh, pieces of his background that allows him to learn so, so much and give so much uh, to his clients and to the United States. So I don't want to spoil this. I, I'm, I'm intentionally not telling you a lot about this gentleman for a lot of reasons, because when you hear this interview, you are going to be blown away at just um, the thinking, the mindset and the attitude that he has. Without further ado, please listen to episode 14 of my interview with Dale Richards. Take a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have with us Dale Richards, who is here with us today. Dale, thank you so much for joining in. Thank you, Chris. Uh, this is going to be a, a fun conversation along with the many accomplishments that, that, that you have. But what I would like to do is to um, just give you an opportunity to kind of share with our listeners a little bit about, you know, yourself, your background and your career and kind of uh, how, how you ended up in uh, the world's number one high tech place that is not Silicon Valley. Yeah, that's a very interesting question, Chris. So Utah is a sleepy little place that most people don't know where it is. And about three years ago, we became the number one commercialization center in the United States, meaning technology developed at either a university or in town uh, to commercialization surpassed MIT, Silicon Valley, and the Carolina Triangles as the number one high-tech center in the United States. That, that is amazing. So, uh, and, and, and until I talked to you, I, I had no idea that, that little Utah, uh, uh, was, was so much in high tech. So share with us a little bit about, um, before we kind of get into talking through, you know, uh, the, the baby boomer millennial relationship, share with us a little bit about how, um, you got to where you are today and some of the things that, that you've done throughout your career, uh, in your 30 plus years. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate the opportunity. I'll give you a little uh, one-minute later pitch. Um, career as a chemical engineer, I worked for FEMS, which is a Fortune 50 U.S. company. I started out in Pocatello, Idaho, where we made elemental phosphorus. Uh, your match has a little white tip on it. The reason it has the white tip is from a phosphorus that burns at 3,000 degrees, whereas wood is four to 500 degrees. So you can see why a match has that little white tip. <laughs> starts the fire. Uh, after leaving Pocatello, I moved to Medina, New York, halfway between Buffalo and Rochester. Winters are quite fantastic. I was in charge of the corporate laboratory for the agricultural chemical division. 
where we make uh, pesticides as well as fertilizers combined. Uh, we set the world record for corn production with our product here then. Niagara Falls was great, but 20 below winters with 60 below chill factor was a little bit tough. So I moved to Utah in central Utah, Price, Utah, managed Utah Power and Light's largest power plant, 300 megawatt coal-fired units. Uh, it was a tough job. I was the only guy in the plant with chemistry background, so I was on call 24-7. The company sent out a notice that they were funding key executives to become uh, MBAs, and they financed it, so I jumped on the chance. When I graduated, I became the first marketing director that Utah Power Light had had. I was in charge of business development and economic development, where you, Chris, as an employee, could submit an idea. We would put it through an 11-step analysis process, including market research, focus groups, alpha tests, etc. Every time it passed one of those steps, we gave an increasing number of savings bonds to the idea generator. If the idea went to full commercialization, we gave 10% of the profits back to the employee. We actually started five subsidiaries from employees' idea. For a bureaucratic utility, it was quite successful. We then merged with Pacific Corp out of Portland, Oregon. It was one of the very first mergers in the United States of utilities. And so the Public Service Commission was apprehensive about it and said, nobody lose your job because of this merger. Well, that lasted two years. Then the aim of death came around and killed all the satellites, and I was in the satellite office here in Salt Lake. Uh, at the time, I took the severance package that they provided, and from that time, I have worked with over 150 companies, turned them around with my enhanced methods of performance. Also, Utah, this sleepy little place, developed a program that where the government would actually fund a professor for five years, uh, $200,000 a year to commercialize their ideas. Now, after eight years, how many ideas do you suppose had gone to a company, Chris? Wow. Well, uh, that, that seems like a lot, but I would almost uh, venture to say none. You are exactly correct, because the professor really didn't know how to commercialize ideas. They would just use the money to further the research. So they brought three of us in. Over the next 15 years, I had the privilege of commercializing 50 high technologies. I've started up 35 high technology companies and helped them raise about a half a billion dollars. That includes artificial heart, artificial eyes. Dolly the sheep that was cloned, those were professors that I was helping with their transgenic cloning capability. Five medical devices, radar, LIDAR, unmanned aircraft, satellites, carbon fiber steel or carbon fiber towers for utilities, and software of every kind. It's been a really fun ride. And in the last five years, I became a chair for Vistage, which is the world's largest executive network. Uh, we focus on creating better leaders that make better uh, decisions that make better results. So I chair 14 executives here in Utah, and then I speak. So I've had the privilege of speaking over 200 times in the last four years in three countries and 35 states on the topic of business valuation and then how to increase the value of your business financially, operationally, and strategically. I was putting together a merger of two half-billion-dollar oil companies when I got a call from a Vistage representative, and she asked to be a CEO, a CEO 
shows, which after I did my research, I jumped on, and it's been a real uh, fun ride. I have a I have a business valuation firm for the last 15 years where we've combined my chemical engineering with my FBA with certification to provide knowledge and power for executives to be able to have 8 to 11 different numbers because there is no one number for valuation. So I believe knowledge is power by giving that many perspectives. Then you can use those perspectives to meet your valuation objectives. So I don't know whether you got all that because it looked like the interview interrupted. Oh, yeah. But, uh, no, absolutely. That's the intro. That is, that is amazing. And so obviously you've had uh, an opportunity to, to, to span your, your reach and your impact across uh, the, the industry. So, so what I would like to do is, is, is kind of talk about um, the people at this point. You've obviously had an opportunity to, to meet some incredible people, some incredible minds. You've had an opportunity to, to work with people and, and take them from uh, obviously ideation to an actual product. So within that time, I am sure that now as, as a baby boomer, you've had uh, opportunity to kind of reflect and, 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 and see things change and morph as you have uh, throughout uh, your particular industry. So what I would like to do is just kind of start with uh, understanding, you know, share with, 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 with the listeners and, and share with anybody who, who, who may be wondering, what do you think are probably a couple of different things that may have impacted millennials to the point that it has impacted the way they approach their actual work, career and environment? Well, that is a very interesting question, and I'm not a psychologist, but I have experienced and witnessed the impact of baby boomers. So I'm going to take you back, if this is okay, Chris, back to the 70s and 80s, where management, you were, if you were in the technical realm, uh, they would, as soon as you became an awesome technical person, they would make you a manager, and then you reached the Peter Principle, which is uh, you've reached your level of incompetence. And so they created a technical path for people to go along with a management path where a technical person could stay in his technical field and be able to excel and get good raises and so forth. So then we went to the X people and the X people, they have, uh, they're pretty much oriented to, uh, specific activities and they became very mobile. Uh, the, the, when I joined Utah Power, they told me that I would be there for life. Well, I was there 10 years. Uh, the next generation, the average, I believe, is between two and three years in any one job. Now we move along to the millennials, and they have their own way to see the world. Uh, they want a boatload of flexibility, but they are driven by goals and by its accomplishment. And so... Uh, the use of such things as my productivity pyramid, which is mentioned in my book, is really ideal for baby boomers because you meet with them monthly, you have goals, you're able to use positive affirmations. Uh, they are dedicated to goals and accomplishments, but they're also dedicated to their freedom. And they want their freedom. They want to be able to uh, take them off and have weekends and not be working 60 hours a week. So if you work to their strengths, which is accomplishing goals and feeling like they uh, appreciated, 
millennials can be a big advantage, but they also can be a big frustration if you're trying to put them into the baby boomer or the X mold. That's my thought. That, you, you know, and, and you, you speak on something pretty interesting because I'm sure there are, are tons of people who are sitting in positions where they're, they're trying to figure out that balance, right? They, they're maybe, you know, within their company and they're just in a season where right now there's a lot of work to kind of get done, right? But they, we all know there's, you know, 52% of the workplace right now is, is millennials. And, uh, what, what we're seeing is that as the continual increase of emerging leaders is, is happening, uh, to your point, the, the environments are changing, right? There are things that, uh, that, that millennials care about in the workplace that are outside of the actual job. Um, and, and so, what I would like to know from your perspective, let's talk about those struggles, because I believe that there are, there are plenty of struggles on both sides. So let's kind of start with the baby boomer. Where do you think baby boomers tend to struggle when building that relationship, that rapport, and and, and pushing a, a millennial forward? Well, I think it begins because us baby boomers uh, were glad to have a job. And we pretty much are self-motivated and we work hard. Uh, the baby boomer tends to have grown up in a very affluent society. And so jobs are a way to make a living, but they're more importantly a way to make some things so that they can enjoy life. And if you try to pigeon a baby boomer into the old model all you're going to get is frustration, and they may last in your company three to six months. So it's a very interesting paradox we've got where they want their freedom. They're not going to work 60 hours a week. They want time off. But if you give them goals and objectives and coach them, they can be an amazing resource. That's my thought, too. Okay. So so when you, when you mentioned some of those goals and objectives, and I know you mentioned in, in, in your book, as well, there, there's a way to kind of go about this, right? So what would you say would be one key that baby boomers should leverage when, when you know, what's a good tip that they could leverage when actually they point out a millennial and they say, you know what, this is a person that I believe, you know, is definitely going to either supersede me or they're going to be a person in, in a seat of authority in this company. What's one tip that you would give that baby boomer when they, when they you know, select that particular person? Well, I think the baby boomer has to take the initiative to, uh, if, their, if their supervisor or manager is an old school person, uh, maybe not a good communicator, not a good coach, they have to take the initiative to go in, sit with them, set some objectives, ask them to give them feedback on a frequent basis, and take the initiative. If they sit back, I think all they're going to do is be frustrated in other places. Absolutely. So, so on the other end of that, on the whole other end of the spectrum, what do you think millennials have to 
have to learn? What do, what do you think is kind of where millennials are struggling when they are kind of sitting in that, you know, mid-management position and they, they, they can see it, you know, uh, but what do you think are kind of their, their particular struggles that they're pretty much fighting, uh, when, when, when trying to build that healthy relationship and rapport with a baby boomer in order to gain, like you mentioned, that, that mentorship, that, that knowledge and that kind of, uh, that, that, healthier relationship to continue to move in their career? Well, I think the biggest frustration uh, is they don't follow the traditional mold. And so you get a, a supervisor, a manager, and the baby boomer has much more maybe creativity, desire for freedom. Work is no longer uh, uh, the, the most important in their life, family or their their uh partner or freedoms or travel or whatever else are. And I think that is the conflict that most companies are finding with millennials is they've been traditionally managing a team uh, and all of a sudden the, the millennial comes along and it doesn't follow the mold that they've been using. That's where baby viewers, I don't know the stats, maybe you do, Chris, but uh, from talking to three or 4,000 CEOs, there's a level of frustration out there with the baby boomer because they don't want to work the long hours. Uh, and so the the current management is frustrated because the baby boomer wants to leave at three or they want to have a day off or they want to do whatever. And they're not really capturing their creativity, their innovation, their ability to accomplish uh, goals and tasks in good speed because they're smart. They're, they're very well educated. And so I think it's, we as the old traditional people need to understand how to motivate them and keep them driving with what hours we're, we're able to get from them. What an incredible interview. Dale Richards is just a fascinating gentleman. He has uh, such a wealth of knowledge and background that lends itself to just giving you lots of great content. Thank you guys so much for listening. As you know, in two days, you will get part two of my interview with Dale Richards. You will learn so much more about his insights, his thoughts, where he's uh, where he sees things going uh, in the in the grand scheme of things of, of companies and what millennials really need to do to be able to leverage the future. So thank you guys so much for listening. Feel free to share this episode, subscribe and download. You can go to iTunes and Google Play. We are there. Uh, and feel free to share with your friends on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at High Level Wisdom. Until we see you again, we'll talk with you in the next episode. Are you sitting there wondering about your company and saying, how much is my business worth? And how do they even calculate that? And why should that matter to me right now before I want to sell? Well, Dale Richards has a book for you. Business Valuation Principles Made Easy with How to Increase Value Financially, Operationally, and Strategically. Go to our website, highlevelwisdom.com forward slash reading list, and you can actually purchase a copy of his book from our website and learn all about what you need to do in order to ensure that your business valuation principles are correct.